Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm just uh, looking forward to our time together today. And I want to encourage you and lift you and build you up. And I want to do it with God's Word. I'm looking at um, just all the characteristics of Jesus and so many that I just love. He identifies himself as the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate for the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life the way and the truth and the life and the true vine. That's where, that's where I live, and I think that's where you live, too. We're going to have a great hour. Um, Dr. O.S. Hawkins is going to be with me in just a minute. He's authored 25 books and has got quite a resume. I'm uh, very glad he's making time to be on the show. It's going to be uh, a great time with him. Uh, Dave, David Wheaton's going to be coming up. Wayne Peterson's going to be joining me. It's going to be a great, great show. So in Psalm 42, verse 8, it says, By day... The Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Let me take a little break and then bring on O.S. Hawkins. Hi, I'm Susie Larson. The Faith Radio Fall Fundraiser is coming soon, and I want to personally invite you to join with us in supporting our ministry, an outreach that's steadily growing in radio signals, connecting with more and more listeners, finding us online or on the app, or listening on demand to our podcast. Your financial partnership makes programs like mine possible. In addition to the relevant Bible preaching and family-focused teaching, helping to make the connection between faith and life every single day. God is at work through Faith Radio, and we would love to have you be a part of keeping this ministry strong and growing. Your gift today will give us a strong start to fall share and help us build the financial base for sharing the message of hope through Jesus Christ all year long. Here's how to get involved. You can call 877-933-2484 to join our support team or give safely and securely online at myfaithradio.com. And join us Tuesday, September 10th for the start of Fall Share. to have O.S. Hawkins back on the show. He's written 25 books. He's the president and, ex- and chief executive officer of Guidestone Financial Resources. And just to give you a little bit of uh, background on that, it's the largest Christian-based mutual fund family in the nation with assets of about uh, $15 billion. And he is the man in charge. He's a native of Fort Worth. And I love all of his books. He's, he's written about 25 or so. I'll get a definite count when I bring him on. But I'm going to chat today with him about the Believer's Code. It's uh, 365 devotions to unlock the blessings in God's Word. O.S., welcome back to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's a joy to be here and you know, be with you guys. Thank you so much. I don't know if we ever chatted about the fact uh, that you're a TCU alumni. Did you meet your wife there? I didn't meet my wife there. I surely didn't, but I, I'm a big TCU fan. I'll tell you, in fact, I'll... I'll be at football practice tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful stadium there. It's a beautiful campus. Yeah, it is. A lot of good things uh, going for us right now at TCU. Yeah, and both daughters went there, huh? 
Both your kids? My daughters went there. My dad went there. My grandkids are headed there here in a couple of years. So we're about four or five generations worth of corn frogs. That's fantastic. So is this, uh, do I have that right, about 25 books that you've put out? Yeah, maybe a little bit more. We uh, Recently, we've been doing this code series with yeah. HarperCollins of devotions that we're so blessed <clears throat> that uh, they've sold a million and a half copies in the last three years. And I, I can say that because all the royalties to all of my books go to Mission Dignity, a ministry we have here at Guidestone. We're on mission to bring dignity to some forgotten people, and that is uh, pastors and their widows in their declining years. They pastored out the crossroads, never had enough to live on, much less prepare for retirement. So we come alongside of them, and, and the neediest among them now get $600 a month extra. One little widow, 87-year-old of a pastor, wrote me the other day, and she said, I get to eat at night now, not oh, just a piece of toast. That's beautiful. So it's a blessing, and every time somebody buys one of the code books, all the royalties and pro- pro- proceeds from it go to support uh, these precious people out there. So I think that's one of the reasons uh, God's blessed us. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did that ministry start? When when did that take off? Uh, it's been around about three decades. Okay. It's just really exploded now in the last five to eight years. We, Ten years ago, we were able to help these people with $50 a month, but we've raised so much money, and we'll raise 8 to $10 million a year. And we've endowed the program so that Everything that get, is given to Mission Dignity goes straight to one of these precious people in need, over a couple of thousand of them in the program right now. 65% of them are widows of pastors, average age 86. So they're out there in their declining years, and they need medicine. They need food. They lived in church-owned homes. Most of them all their lives had to get out of there when they vocationally retired. And they're really some of the great forgotten people of the world. That's a it's a beautiful ministry. So it's encouraging to hear that they're being taken care of at this stage of life. Um, so thank you for what you've done, and thank you for writing these great books. Yeah. I mean, I've got the uh, Believer's Code, the devotional uh, to unlock the blessings uh, in God's Word in front of me, and I, I know that so many of us uh, throughout our day can always take time for a meaty little devotional, regardless of how busy we get. Right. You know, it's not the volume of Scripture we take in every day. It's the value of it. If we can just, <clears throat> what I always try to do, if I can just get one nugget, one one thing I can put into practice that day in my life uh, and really meditate. Meditation on Scripture is a lost art. You know, the code books really started when <clears throat> I was captured by Joshua eight. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night in order that you may do all that is written therein, then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have uh, good success. And so from that, we wrote our first code book, which was called the Joshua, which is called the Joshua Code. And the secret to all the code books is really in the subtitle. The Joshua Code is 52 scripture verses every believer should know. Mm-hmm. You know, men and, men and women want to know the Bible, uh, it's For some of them, it's just a big black book. They don't know where to get started, so they start in the New Testament with Matthew, and before they get through those 47 names and the genealogy, they get bogged down. So what the Joshua Code does, it picks 52 Scripture verses in the Bible that every believer ought to know. Uh, I believe there are 52 verses, one a week. You memorize one of them a week. It's got a devotional thought with it. And in one year, you'll memorize the 52 verses 
every every believer should know. And uh, so it 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 really took off. It's the best selling one so far yet. And you know, scripture memory is a lost art. A lot of people who have been Christians for decades and used to memorize scripture hasn't haven't memorized the scripture in years and years. And so it's a it's an incredible thing to do. And it's any of us can memorize one verse a week. And so that's Joshua code takes those 52 verses that every believer should know. Then it was followed up with the Jesus code. And the subtitle of the Jesus code is 52 scripture questions. Every believer should answer. You know, Jesus was always asking questions, uh, not because he, he was omniscient. He didn't need answers. He was asking questions to try to get us to see where we were along the journey. And so I picked 52 verses in the Bible as questions that I believe every believer ought to be able to answer before they go to heaven. And that's the Jesus code. So you take one of those a week and you really meditate it and focus on it. And so uh, the, the continual codes emerge from that. The, the Christmas code is an Advent devotional during, during the Christmas season that's really now our bestseller. It's sold over a half a million itself. And uh, we've got the Easter code, which is a devotions from Ash Wednesday up to Easter. And this coming spring, we'll have the, the Apostles Code, unlocking the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, the, the Apostles had a transformation when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And and I've always, as a pastor, when I was a pastor, I'd get so excited about Easter, everybody there. And, and then it's just, a, where were they the next few weeks? So the Apostles Code is designed for churches to Give to their people, everybody that comes on Easter Sunday, give them a gift. It'll be bought for about a dollar. And uh, give it to them. It's 40 devotionals on the Holy Spirit. It'll take us from Easter up to Pentecost Sunday. It's a way to try to maintain that. Mm-hmm. OS, en- encourage us about memorization, because I have one word that I think makes or breaks memorization, and that's the word review. Because you might learn a verse, and then you freak out a week later because you have forgotten it. But what you fail to do is review it. Exactly. You're 1,000% right. And you know the way I memorize Scripture? I'll write it down on a little card in my pocket. And phrase by phrase, I'll I'll look at it. If I'm stopped at a stoplight, I'll pull it out and look at it. If I'm holding on a phone call, I'll pull it out and look at it. Maybe during the day 50 times, I'll look at that and read it. But you're exactly right. You just It's a continual process where you just continue to go back and until it's sealed in your heart. You know, Bill, I was saved when I was 17, never heard a prayer in my home, never saw the Bible open in my home, uh, didn't know Matthew, Martin, Luke, and John were books of the Bible. And a young man witnessed to me after a basketball game one night, and I came to know Christ. And I made a public profession at our church in Fort Worth that next Sunday morning. And a man came down the aisle after the service and handed me a piece of paper and said, son, you, you're going to need this. And I looked at it. I thought it was hieroglyphics. It said one C O R colon or one colon one three, and uh, I didn't know what it was. So I kept it in my pocket. The next day, I, after after high, I was a senior in high school. I got in my car and drove downtown where I'd seen a Christian bookstore and bought my first Bible. I went out and sat in the, in the car and I was looking through it, and I looked in the front of it and it had the abbreviations for the chapters, and I saw one C O R, and I pulled that piece of paper out of my pocket and I turned to that page where one COR was and then it said one colon one third one colon 13 so I figured that was that first chapter in the 13th verse 
And I memorized that verse sitting in the car. That first verse I ever memorized, it says that there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And I cannot tell you how many times on my Christian journey I'd get to temptation's corner and that verse would come into my mind. So hiding the Word of God in our hearts is what's so vitally important to us. Mm -hmm. OS, there's so much information in life that just is not worth remembering. But God's Word, bury it in your heart. Never returns void, the Bible promises. Yeah, yeah. You are my kind of guy. It accomplishes the purpose of things. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, the reason we do that is what what Joshua 1.8 says, that that, uh, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night in order that you may do what is written therein. You know, I'd rather see somebody do a chapter in the Believer's Code than read 365 of them. Uh, you know, most of us raised kids. I remember We raised two daughters, my wife Susie and I. I remember when they were taking piano lessons. You talk about driving me crazy, <laughs> listening to them yeah. practice, hitting wrong notes, doing all that. But that's the only way you learn to play the piano, by doing it. You can sit there and look at the music all day long, listen to your teacher play all day long, but until you do it, you're never going to get it out. And that's what it is with the Word of God. It's not just knowing it, it's putting it into practice and doing it. Yeah. O.S., let me take a little break. Um, Talking to uh, O.S. Hawkins, he's written 25-plus books. We're chatting about the Code Series books, all of which are wonderful. We'll take a short break and be back in 90 seconds. For a little inspiration, you've come to the right place today. I have Dr. O.S. Hawkins on. He's written uh, over 25 books, and he's president and chief executive officer at Guidestone Financial Resources in Fort Worth. And before we get back to the business at hand, uh, O.S., do you ever go to um, Old South for pancakes? <laughs> I used to, in Fort Worth? Yeah. I, I used to spend all night studying there when I was in college, and I drove by the other day, and it was still there. And, you know, I don't eat pancakes anymore in my old age, but yeah. I thought, you know, I'm going to go in there one day and try it again. Yeah, I've been there 100,000 times. I bet. And you used to pull all-nighters there, huh, drinking coffee and studying? Yeah, that's what we did, the old South pancake. Oh, yeah, I've been there many times myself. So let's talk about just uh, the format and the way you've laid out these books, because they're so wonderful. Now, in the Believer's Code, there are 365 devotions. Um, for example, I'm just on January 7th for some odd reason, but it's, you've got a scripture verse, which is Psalm 35, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You give this great devotional, then you have a code word, and the code word is expectancy. What a promise. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. God can see past today, can you? What a great thought. Yeah, you know what we try to do, Bill, in those uh, in the believer's code, which is, uh, as you just mentioned, it's a devotional uh, for 365 days. You can get started any time on it. Uh, and the, one of the secrets of it is <clears throat> we really try to try to apply the Word of God when we study it. These are short devotionals. You can get nuggets out of them. But each, each one of the 365 days has what we call a code word. 
And then that what we what we desire for that code word to do is just write that code word down and think about it during the day. For example, in uh, in the December in a December devotional in there, I think it's on December fifth. Uh, we talk about the fact that there's there, there's so many things that we see, but we really don't see. For example, if, if I were to tell your listeners right now to cover your watch and tell me, does your watch have Arabic numbers, Roman numerals, or just dots, or a combination of which, I promise you that half of them couldn't tell you, even though we look at our watch a hundred times a day. So there are things we see and we don't see, and that's true, for example, in the nativity scene. We've seen it depicted a thousand times in a thousand different ways. We have it, uh, we have it on, our, uh, uh, on our tables at Christmas time, and we see it in Christmas cards, the nativity scene. You know, and so the, the, the word that for that day is crop. And, for example, on our, on our smartphones, we have an ability to take pictures and then crop them down. For example, we got Susie, my wife, and I have a beautiful picture of, of us in the middle, our grandkids surrounding us, and then our two daughters and their husbands on the ends. Well, now, we have a, my grandkids and I have a common enemy, and that's their parents. <laughs> so I just kind of took that, I took that picture, yeah. and I cropped out the parents on right. the side. Now I've got a beautiful picture of me and the Susie oh, and the grandkids. Spectacular. Well, so... When you do that with a nativity and you crop the nativity, you look at the, first of all, you look at the entire scene and what is it? It's a worship service. I mean, the angels are hovering like drones over the manger. They're singing. The shepherds are bowing down. The wise men, even though they didn't come to later, usually in the nativity scene, they're there bringing their gifts. The whole place is exploding with worship. But you crop it down and get it down in the middle. And, and when you crop it down, you come to Mary and Joseph and a baby there in the middle. Christmas is about family. God is really pro-family, and Christmas is about family. Uh, but then when you crop it even more in the center, you see Jesus only. And that's what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus. Yeah. So in that devotional, that code word that day is crop. And so every time you look at a picture on your phone or think about it, just think about the fact then you take that nativity scene and you crop it down and you'll come to Jesus only. And that's, that's what Christmas is all about. Yeah. And so every one of these 365 devotionals have a code word like that, that can be used uh, in such a fashion. And that, that sticks in your brain that uh, you have one word to, to think for, about for throughout example, the day. There's, there's one devotion in there on where, you know, the, uh, Someone came to Jesus one time and asked him, uh, good master, what's the greatest commandment of all? And as you know, he gave us uh, that great commandment, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, on this hinge all the commandments. But, you know, the night before he died, he, he said to the disciples and to us, he said, I'm leaving you, but a new commandment give I unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. You see, for 33 years, we saw him give a beautiful picture of what love really is. Up until then, the best we could do would be to live on the level of the old commandment, to love our neighbors ourselves. and some of us have a real problem there. And so he said, a new commandment give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you selflessly, sacrificially, sanctifying. The code word that day, I think, is hinge, because that great commandment, 
commandment is the hinge upon which all the other commandments turn. Jesus came and he he took uh, the law and he turned it into love, the the, the law of love. He said in the in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he taught it not to show us that our actions were what was important, but our reactions. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other. If someone takes your cloak, give him your cloak also. And so the, the, the love of Christ in our hearts that enables us to love one another is the hinge upon which the Christian life really turns. Mm, fantastic. So, O.S., we just have a couple minutes left. Out of the Jesus Code, and you have 52 Scripture questions every believer should answer. Could you walk us through uh, one of them? Give us a sample. Oh, sure. I can, I can, uh, I can give you a bunch of them. But there, uh, you know, for example, Jesus up at Caesarea Philippi uh, got the disciples together, and he asked two questions. One was the question of public consensus. Who do men say that I am? You see, a lot of people never get out of that verse because we live in a world where people are more interested in what men say than what God says. But then he went on to say, well, I really want to know in verse 15, who do you say that I am? That's the question of personal conviction. What about you? You and you only. Who do you say that I am? And God bless Simon Peter. We rag on him a lot. But here he he, he blurted it out, inspired of the Holy Spirit. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he made that great confession. You know, there are all kinds of questions in there. Job asked if a man dies, will he live again? Just all kinds of questions throughout the Bible. It's um, it's so beautifully laid out, and you've done such good thinking on this series of books, the the Code series, that um, I just want to let all of our listeners know you're going to want to get your hands on one of them. Um, the Nehemiah Code, another great one. Um, it's never too late for a new beginning. I know that's going to be of interest to people, because there's lots all of people... All of us look for a new beginning. We all look for new beginnings, don't we? Mm-hmm. And Nehemiah can offer us great inspiration, can he? He certainly can. He's certainly done it for me. It's, he's an incredible human being, uh, the way he motivated and mobilized those folks to get that job done. Uh, you know, Bill, all these, all information about all of these can be found at oshawkins.com. In fact, uh, there are hundreds of free leadership and resource uh, 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 devotionals and all kinds of things. There are free book downloads on there in Spanish and in English. And there's just hundreds of free resources there, plus information about how to get all the code books and what they are. It tells about them there and how to order them because they do support Mission Dignity. And that's it, just simply oshawkins.com. Yeah. Oh, guys, thank you so much for doing the show. I know when I know you're busy, and I appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak to us. And, again, you're oh, honored to do it. great inspiration. Honored to do it. So grateful that you asked. Yeah. Well, I'll ask again. Believe me. <laughs> I look forward to it. we got to we got a new book coming out in the fall called The Passion Code, uh, divided into three sections, God with us first, God for us, and God in us. You, you know, God can't come to live in us unless he died for us. He yep. couldn't do that unless he came to be with us. You just booked yourself on my show again. Thank you, O.S., so oh, much. Oh, great. All Look right. forward to it. It'll be out in November. All right. Dr. O.S. Hawkins has been my guest. Go to oshawkins.com to learn more about him. We'll take a short break and then be joined by Wayne Peterson in studio. Welcome back to the show. I was reading today that scientists from the Max 
Planck Institute for Biology of Aging have developed a new blood test that can predict whether you'll die within the next 10 years. This I welcome with open arms. This is something I'm going to do. I fully plan on taking this blood test on my 94th birthday. (laughs) I can't wait. All right, I have in studio Wayne Peterson. He's the president of Reach Beyond. It's an international ministry. Um, and he's done just about everything. Prior to that, he was at uh, Moody Radio for 35 years, and he's also here <laughs> at Faith Radio as well, forever. So, uh, Wayne, <laughs> nice to have you oh in studio. Man. Yeah, I can't hold on a job, it seems like. I it doesn't, see, it doesn't seem that way. Yeah. But I'm I'm with you on that 94 thing. That's my goal, actually. Yeah, oh, my definitely. My grandpa lived to be 94, and that's my goal, to uh, nice. get to that. But, you know, God has our day's numbers. He knows already. But um, That's a know, great source of comfort. It is. That all yeah. our days are ordained before right. we have one of them. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that kind of comforting? That is, yeah. So, you know, why worry about it? I mean, we, we can't add to it, but hopefully we can live healthy yeah. and good nutrition and exercise and uh, and fit into God's plan, the life yeah. he's given us. Yeah. Now, you had your workout already today, didn't you? No, I oh, did. you've not had no. your workout. I okay. haven't done that today. No, <laughs> not right. yet. All right. Well, you're very fit, and it's great to see you, and you don't seem to ever age, so you're doing something right. Well, thank you. You're very kind. I'm not you're trying to be kind. kind. Uh, <laughs> really not that nice. Great to be working with you again. <laughs> thank, Man, thank this you. has been too long. Well, you're a legend in radio, so the fact that you come into the studio here and, and be willing to talk is uh, very flattering to me. I will do that any day for you, Bill. Absolutely. I appreciate thank it. you got that yeah. great voice and like, great chops, and <laughs> I feel like such an amateur around you. Hey, I, I needed this today. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. You're it's welcome. good. Well, right, Northwestern is a great place. Faith Radio is a good... How many th- years here? Well, I was here for 34 years. Okay. I started when I was 20, going to the university, okay. and uh, stayed uh, and uh, was KTI's manager for a while, yeah. and then uh, moved into I was vice president role. And then God called me to be to be involved with national religious broadcasters for a short time. I did that, and then with Moody Radio for yep. five years. Yep. And the last 10 years has been in global international radio through Reach Beyond. I retired from that a couple of years ago, and serving on a number of boards that do international media ministry around the world. So so talk about Reach Beyond. Well, Reach Beyond uh, is 85 years old. Okay. They're most famous for uh, HCJB in Quito, Ecuador, and they've planted radio stations uh, around the world. And the other large organizations are TWR, Trans World Radio, and Far East Broadcasting Company. And I'm, I'm working part-time for Far East Broadcasting into China, India, Mongolia, Bangladesh, difficult, difficult wow. places where the only way people will hear the gospel is through radio. Media. Yeah, I mean, you're fully on board with radio and fully on board with the power of radio yeah, well, for I spreading believe, the gospel. I believe in the Great Commission, Jesus' last words were to take the gospel to the uttermost part to the earth, and there are still over 2 billion people that don't know the name of Jesus. And like Paul the Apostle said, it's my ambition to to preach the gospel where the name of Christ is not known. And so even the the tools we have today, cellular, mobile technology, streaming, podcasting, we're able to get into places that even uh, traditional radio could Mm -hmm. not reach. So God has given us some amazing tools these days to make an impact uh, with the gospel. Technology Uh, is our friend, isn't it? It is, yeah. And uh, we have more tools in our toolbox today. With, uh, you know, I've been in Africa, and I've seen an elderly man sitting outside a mud hut with a thatched roof, sitting on a white plastic pail, and using his cell phone to communicate. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's just all over. And he had good cell service, huh? Yeah, I, I right. and it's not as expensive as it is here. <laughs> right. And there's a difference, Wayne, between the uh, 
unsaved and the unreached. Well, there is, because yeah. we have unsaved people in the U.S. of A., obviously. But you can't say they're unreached because there's a church on every block. Right. There's all kinds of opportunities with radio and movies and print. But unreached is places, number one, that are less than 2% Christian. And number two, there's no missionary, no church, no Bible. Mm-hmm. And so those are the places that were, where there's no church, no missionary. Ninety-five percent of the people never meet a believer. And so, um, as Campus Crusade Crew has said, most of the Muslims coming to follow Jesus today, about 80 percent are coming through media. Now, Wayne, you're no, I know you're no stranger to some of these remote areas that we're talking about right now. Can you share some of your uh, experiences and some of your Well, recently, yeah. uh, I serve on the board. Uh, Joel Rosenberg has a foundation he's created called the Joshua Fund, and it's a ministry to Israel and her neighbors. And in the last few months, God has opened up incredible opportunities for Joel, along with a coalition of evangelical leaders, to go to Jordan to visit with King Abdullah and share the gospel, share prophecy and current events. Has been to Egypt with President Sisi. I have been uh, privileged to meet with President Sisi and hear him say, we want to right all the wrongs that happened in the Arab Spring. He's rebuilding the churches that were burned down by the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, Jordan are very purposeful intent on fighting ISIS and standing up against the Iranians and against terrorism. Uh, Last November, we had the privilege of going to Saudi Arabia and meeting with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia still does not allow churches to be built, but the crown prince told us that Christians are welcome to meet in their homes, and we're not going to intimidate or do anything to inhibit them. We're not ready to start building churches here yet, but he's on this reform movement allowing women to drive and go to movies and going to sporting events and really changing things. We visited uh, a congregation in Abu Dhabi and where there, uh, one facility has 50 congregations meeting there. And uh, the crown prince uh, is, is proud of the fact that he was born in a Christian missionary hospital. And so we're seeing amazing breakthroughs in that part of the world. And uh, we will be traveling to that part of the world. I don't want to say too much about what's upcoming for security reasons, but God is opening doors And uh, I was in D.C. yesterday. We met with the national security team in the vice president's office. And uh, God is opening up doors for us to go to visit with the officials on the highest level. Number one, to champion freedom of religion. But number two, to tell them what we as Christians believe, what we as evangelicals believe about Jesus. Well, and this is remarkably good news. Well, it's amazing, and the media doesn't cover it uh, for several reasons. But, uh, you know, there's a a fear of Islam, and 90% of Muslims want to live in peace. And it's just the 10% or so that has been captivated by extremism and terrorism in the last 40 years since the revolution by the Ayatollah in Iran that's... uh, that said we want that we want to spread uh, sharia law and and take over but the bulk of moderate peace loving muslims are fine, are starting up against this uh we went into a facility in saudi arabia where they're monitoring the movements of the terrorist groups and shutting down their recruiting websites and closing their apps so there is a concerted effort along with the United States, to fight terrorism among the Muslim nations and the Arab nations, and it's really encouraging. And 
Saudi Arabia has recognized Israel as a modern state. Uh, they, there's uh, discussions going on between Israel leadership and uh, Saudi leadership, uh, inviting Netanyahu in to speak. Uh, Netanyahu has invited some of the Arab leaders into Jerusalem to visit their holy sites. So it's a new day. And uh, we're just really excited about this. And, of course, for us, uh, we are interested in doors opening to proclaim the gospel in places that are are heavily Muslims. Uh, But it was interesting. I asked the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. I had a chance to ask him a question. And I said, Your Royal Highness, what message do you want us to take back to the evangelicals, the 60 million evangelicals in the U.S.? He said, Tell them that Jesus is the Savior of the world. (laughs) <laughs> what? We, we, we read about him in our holy books, and we know that he's coming again to judge the nations and rule the world. And our delegation was kind of, what? Like you did. Yeah. And I said, Your Royal Highness, can we quote you on that? He says, yes, you can quote me. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Now, for them, being Savior doesn't mean to them what it means to us. I because we yeah. believe he's the Son of God who died to take away our sins and he rose so we can live forever. But they do they do not believe that Jesus was crucified mm-hmm. and rose from the dead. But they respect him as a high prophet. And they in the Quran says he's going to come back as judge and rule the new world. So there are doors to open there. It's, it's pretty exciting. And then recently we came back from Israel, not the usual Nazareth, Galilee, Jerusalem stops. We visited local indigenous ministries there, visited some of the churches, some of the messianic churches. They're tiny, and they're pastored largely by bivocational pastors. And then we visited some of the Muslim background believer churches where former Muslims are now pastoring. And the Joshua Fund is working to bring the messianic pastors and the Muslim background pastors together worship together, study the Bible. How do you preach? How do you study God's Word? How do you prepare a message? And to get the Messianic pastors and the Arab-Palestinian pastors together for two weeks retreat to study the Bible and study how to preach, it's an amazing thing. Never happened before. Never for centuries have evangelicals been united, invited to come into the Arabic countries to listen and to learn and to share and to build relationships. Boy, if I knew you were going to be so full of good news, I would have booked you for the full two hours. <laughs> well, we'll come back. Yeah. We'll do it again because yeah. there are great things happening. And like I said, we're going over there again. I'm not going to identify the country for yeah. security reasons. Right. And we always wait till after the visit to see if they do media. Then we do media afterwards sure. to explain what's happened. So these are amazing days, and I've mentioned just a few of the um, countries in the Gulf region that are beginning to do that, and visits coming up with with some of the other Arab countries to do that today that are saying we need to be tolerant, we need to rewrite some of the textbooks that are talking about extremism and terrorism, we need to reeducate our teachers and our schools and our mosques. And to create, and it takes a while for that to permeate the culture. In January, I had the opportunity to go to Egypt to the group of evangelicals. The uh, the president of the country, President Sisi, has built a mosque and a Christian cathedral on the presidential grounds, sixty five hundred seat Coptic cathedral for the Christians. No kidding. As a visible sign that Christians are welcome here in Egypt. Wow. And to be there on the Eastern celebration of Christmas to dedicate that cathedral was amazing. That's stunning. It is. It's great news. And it's part of Jesus' effort, 
God's plan mm-hmm. to reach every nation. He came first for his people, chosen people in Israel, but with their rejection of the gospel, it's opened up to the Muslim world these days. Yeah, so Wayne, if you didn't come into the studio today, how are we going to understand and learn about this? Well, Because this um, is terrifically, remarkably good Yeah, news. it is. Uh, one of the places you can go is uh, the joshuafund.org. Jo- uh, joshuafund.org is the website. You can find out more about some of this there. And there are some press releases, and as we've been authorized to, to do some of the publicity about this. And it's either joshuafund.org or thejoshuafund.org, one mm-hmm. of the two. But uh, there you can find out more about uh, some of the some of the things that are happening in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. And to you know, there's persecution. There's persecution uh, on the uh, Palestinian side. If somebody decides to follow Jesus as their savior and Lord, they get persecuted by their people. And even in the Jewish world, when people become followers of uh, Yeshua Hamashiach. As their Messiah, they are persecuted by their families and employers. It's very difficult to be a believer, let alone be a pastor in that culture. Right. But they're they're taking firm stands against the persecution, against the social stuff that happens, and saying, our passion is to reach the people of Israel, the people in the Gulf region, with the good news of Christ. That's real persecution they're going through. It is, yeah. yeah. There, there's beatings. Uh, mm-hmm. People are uh, beaten, they're imprisoned, even yet. So these are, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting right. an email You're right now, guy. maybe yeah. from, you know, who knows where. Who knows where. Yeah, but uh, it, it's very, very encouraging. And to see the dedication and the passion of people in this part of the world that are uh, working against, uh, you know, extreme challenges, uh, doing humanitarian work, food distribution. Uh, every Israeli young person is required to do military service. Mm-hmm. So we're working with a group that provides pre-military boot camp for young believers going into the military with all the temptations there. And they do a six-week boot camp preparing them physically, spiritually, emotionally for what's going to happen. There's another group that's doing ministry on campuses. On The, sec- the Israeli culture is very secular. And going and help students that are in the secular universities, how do you... How do you defend your faith against some of the opposition that comes in and helping them be better apologists for the mm-hmm. gospel and their culture? Well, Wayne, what percentage of Israel is Christian? 1.5%. And that includes everybody, wow. evangelicals, mainstream, Catholics, you know, it's the whole ball of wow. It's 1.5. Uh, I believe uh, that, you know, the number of evangelical believers is right on 40,000 out of 8 million people. So it's relatively small. I would say but so. But this, uh, you know, where uh, where the Bible talks about God's faithful few, the remnant, they're there and they're active. And we're seeing the gospel expand slowly across the land in amazing ways. Mm-hmm. Really, really amazing. Wayne Peterson's my guest. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back in 90 seconds with lots more. show Wayne Peterson's in my studio and some of these international stories meeting with princes and kings and (laughs) leaders 
He is a self-described farm boy from northern Minnesota. So <laughs> yeah. quite and a by, career. By the way, I have a wife in Colorado Springs that corrected me. It's okay. joshuafund.com. joshuafund.com. And that'll be a good website for you. Obviously, a lot of uh, confidential security stuff we can't put on there right. in print because it's very confidential and may actually endanger some of the ministries that we work with. So we have to be very careful on on specifics. Right. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Peterson. Yeah. Thank you, Willie, yeah, for yeah. <laughs> uh, watching out for me here. And she yeah. got my back. <laughs> so let's talk about the discovery of the Pool of Siloam. Well, that's interesting. We were, sure is. we were in Israel and, you know, there's, there's Jerusalem and then there's the city of David. And the city of David is where David and Solomon had their, their palace, mm-hmm. uh, not up on the hill in Jerusalem, but down in the city of David. And uh, about seven years ago, there was a break in a, in a sewage line, and they started digging down to correct this break in the water line. And there they found, in archaeology, they found the city of David huh. and evidence that David and Solomon had their palace there. In the process, they found the Pool of Siloam. Now, the Pool of Siloam has been under garbage for centuries. Wow. The Pool of Siloam was where Jesus and his disciples and all good Jews would go for the ceremonial washing and then walk the steps up to the temple to present their sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So they'd wash first in the pool. There it was, covered over with trash and rubble for 2,000 years since the Romans came in in 70 A.D. and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And so this is not even open to the public yet. But now we are finding every time there is an archaeological dig, it's one more affirmation, confirmation of the truth and accuracy of Scripture. And there it is under rubbles, and we're gradually uncover these things. So we were able to walk from the temple steps. It's all beautifully engineered and... It, there's a city above all this that's mm-hmm. been built over the rubble over the centuries. So we were able to take that walk and walk realistically on the very steps Jesus walked from countless times from the Pool of Siloam to the temple. Many of those rocks and steps are overturned after the Roman invasion of mm-hmm. 70 A.D., but it's all pretty much intact, and it's amazing, and it'll soon be open to the public. Yeah. Goosebumps, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, there must have been some goosebumps there. Well, and uh, th- this we were privileged to have this because it is not open to the public yet, and I think we were actually the third or fourth group to actually go through there. Um, a number of the U.S. president's cabinet was there for the first time for the dedication of this a few weeks back. That's when it made media. So th- the neat thing about this, you know, we're finding coins and we're d- finding different things that show the historicity and the the truth and, and veracity of, of God's Word going back 3,000 years, back to the time of David. Just tremendous. So, Wayne, how should we be um, praying about what's going on overseas right now in the Middle East and everything else? Well, number one, I'd say, you know, going back to the first century, Jesus came to his own people, right. and his own people did not receive him. And Paul talks about that, how the gospel was first presented to God's people. They rejected it. So now he took the gospel to the Gentiles. Right. But the hope is still the, and the promise is in God's word that uh, God's people, the Israelites, would return to him in mass in the end of times. So we need to pray that Jewish people would come to know Jesus as their uh, Messiah. Secondly, pray for 
for as we reach out into the Muslim world. They're not unreachable. They're unreached. And to see that some of the progress that's being made in freedom of religion, freedom of speech in those countries, that there would be more opportunities for uh, Muslims come to know Jesus as the true Savior, the one, the Son of God, mm-hmm. who gives e- eternal life in His name. So pray for the Jews, pray for the Muslims, and just pray that the, uh, peace would come to that region because it's very unsettled and very tenuous right now. And uh, Hamas and other terrorist groups are still alive and well. One little girl, a daughter of a Hamas leader, decided to follow Jesus, and she was beaten by her father. So that kind of stuff is still going on. Oh. And and pray for the the remnant of believers that's uh, striving to be a witness and a light uh, to Israel and to the surrounding mm-hmm. countries. How are the Muslims receiving the gospel right now? Um, through g- dreams. Okay. Muslims are having dreams visions of a man in white that appears to them and says, follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is very common all across the Muslim world. And Muslims are having in mass, they'll wake up in the morning, I had this dream about this man in white. I had the same dream last night. So God is doing miraculous things with dreams and visions. Uh, The other thing is media, uh, where it is uh, against the law or against the customs or the culture to go online and find out about Jesus, they're going online and downloading the Bible and downloading scripture and and watching videos. So I would say dreams, uh, new media are the means, and then uh, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Just among themselves, the word is, is spreading among the Muslim world. So um, we're seeing in unprecedented numbers Muslims coming to believe in Jesus as the Son of God and, mm-hmm. and their personal Savior. Mm-hmm. And I know you're on the board with Joel uh, Rosenberg. Yes. So what was his faith conversion story like? Well, uh, he is he's Jewish. Mm-hmm. He now lives in Jerusalem. Okay. But uh, had, uh, didn't even realize till he was a teenager that he was Jewish. Wow. And came to find out, Dad, am I Jewish? Yeah, you're Jewish. Rosenberg, I mean, go figure. Joel <laughs> Rosenberg, you're Jewish. But uh, his um, he, his father and his family came to know uh, Jesus as their Messiah while they were uh, living in upstate New York and in, in that part of the world. And uh, so he came to follow uh, Yeshua HaMashiach mm-hmm. as his Lord and Savior during that time. And he's worked in the political world. He's worked on political campaigns. He's very close to members of the administration, particularly Mike uh, Pence. And uh, God is using him in extraordinary ways to reach some of the top levels of leadership in some of these Arab countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got an amazing uh, conversion story. We'll Powerful. have him on your show sometime. Well, he I, would be great. I'll take you up on that. Put I him on love... for an hour. I will, yeah, or two hours. You'll see him on Fox News once in a while yeah. and uh, as a commentator. Yeah. And... I want to get back to something you said earlier. You were in Washington yesterday. Were you um, with the vice president yesterday? Uh, we were in his office, but he was traveling. He was speaking in Ohio okay. um, on Monday. And so we met with... Uh, when we go on these trips, we don't want to go as a rogue group of religious right. leaders. So we want an understanding with the National Security Council what we were doing. We wanted to find out are there any tripwires or anything we should be aware of that mm-hmm. we uh, you know, should say or shouldn't say. So it was a couple hours just to get a better relationship and a, 
building trust with our own government of what uh, doors God is opening for some of us evangelical leaders there to go and build some bridges and build some relationships with top leadership in that part of the world. It's pretty remarkable the journey God's taking you on, isn't it? It is. It's an amazing privilege. Who could have uh, who could have ever yeah. imagined? Because I know all the listeners are sitting there thinking these stories are phenomenal, and and um, I'm not going to be in the position Wayne's going to be in, but what can I do to make a difference, and yeah. how can I pray? So. And we always want to be careful of media, but when we were in Egypt, it was front page in every newspaper. But you were there. So we were in Egypt. That wow. We were there. When we were in Saudi Arabia, the next day, the newspapers were carrying stories of our meeting with the crown prince. So even though we can't necessarily disclose the, the subject matter, it's free to talk about that we've met with these men and uh, met with their top leadership team, all of their top leaders, and to represent Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ, and we had complete freedom to share this is what we believe as uh, evangelicals, that Jesus is the Son of God who came to live the perfect life we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve to die, to forgiveness of sins, and he rose again that we might have eternal life with him. Mm -hmm. We shared the gospel. Yeah. Wayne, thank you so much for coming in and being... uh on the show. It's just really nice to see you again. And I love these updates. They're so inspiring. Well, we'll do it again. And when we get back from this next next trip, maybe we can do a I'd love remote yeah, uh, all... interview. But thanks for what you're doing. I enjoy your show so much. Thanks. And all glory to God for that. Yes, Thank you, Wayne. sir. Thank, Thank you. you. Wayne Peterson's been my guest. Uh, and tell me again, Wayne, the website. JoshuaFund.com. JoshuaFund.com. We'll take a short break and we'll be back for hour two. David Wheaton is up next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.